Hey, welcome to Mom Podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. And I am Rick, the dad. Yeah, so we've been doing this podcast for a while. We kind of just decided it'd be fun to sit around and talk about stuff I learned from my dad growing up. And uh, we're actually going to be doing over the next few weeks talking about a book I've got coming out in March. We realized that actually there's 10 chapters in the book. And for 10 weeks leading up to it, I'm going to kind of break down each chapter. Hopefully something there will be intriguing to you. Uh, we're actually about to record the audiobooks. The audiobooks may be available, um, all the formats. You know, it's available everywhere. It's actually available for pre-order right now. So if you're totally intrigued after this talk today about turning points, uh, go out there and pre-order that. So, but if I listen to these 10 podcasts, I don't have to buy the book, right? Oh, I'm leaving out the best part. You're, oh, only, you're okay. only getting... No, I'm just kidding. This is just a teaser. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. So the book is basically the idea that in, in every... Uh, God works in our life in seasons, and those seasons tend to look like kind of more of a circular pattern. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me in paths of righteousness. That Hebrew word path, it literally means paths made of circles, which there's all sorts of conjecture about what that means. But I'm convinced it means that God's work in our life looks like a circular pattern. And there's these stages in every pattern, in every season that you can kind of come to expect. You don't know exactly what God's doing, but you can kind of expect these stages to happen. And the first stage is 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 this idea that in, in every season of life, every season starts with a turning point. Uh, a moment when everything changes, and it, it's kind of a jolting experience. I, I tell the story in the book about when we had first moved to Guatemala. Um, we were just there a few weeks, and we were jolted awake in the middle of the night by a pretty serious earthquake. Oh, yeah. And we all ran out into the street, and the rest of the day, like I was kind of starting to question like the ground beneath my feet. You're always like, because yeah. having the ground beneath your feet shake is a little bit scary, and you're, the whole rest of the day you're like, are we moving again? Are yeah, we moving? it is weird. And on top of that, the volcano started going crazy. So there's ash all in the air. It's kind of darkening the sun. I'm thinking, did we come to Guatemala at the end of the world? <laughs> and I remember talking to my our good friend, Dave Beam, and he was there and he'd been there for 20 years. And he goes, nah, he goes, that just, this always happens when the seasons change. Guatemala's only got two seasons, rainy season and dry season. And when the season's about to change, the earth starts to shake, the clouds, you know, volcanoes start spewing ash. It's It's not the end of the world. It's just a season change. And I thought that is a great, example of what a turning point looks like. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because it, it, it can feel like the end of the world, but it's yeah. actually just a new beginning. And you're like, well, what a horrible way to start a new beginning. It is a little bit jolting, and it takes some courage, which is what the next chapter that we'll talk about next week is about. But turning points happen for all of us. So in, in the book, I, here's a list of some of the turning points I mentioned. Parents getting a divorce, moving to a new city, a miscarriage, a life-threatening illness, the loss of a loved one, the first moment, this is something somebody told me in counseling, the first moment someone experienced something that became an addiction, alcohol, drugs, pornography, yeah. uh, a mystical moment of connection with something you know, otherworldly, I put that in air quotes, uh, a divorce or a separation, getting married is a turning point. That's one you signed up for, but yeah. it's you, still huge. You don't realize what you're getting into yeah. when you're married. If you do... Well, I'd like to talk to you. I've never met anybody who knows what they're getting into when they get married. You think you do because you read read a book maybe. Yeah, 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 right. Another one is uh, the birth of a child, which is, again, something, you know, you think you know what you're getting into, but it's quite different. Adopting a child and the process involved, fostering a child, infertility, an abandonment, a betrayal, a job change, getting hired or fired, and and reading a book that changed your perspective, kind of like I'm hoping this one does. Uh But- those are all these turning points where all, you know, you're kind of going along in your life. And I use the example in the book of, you know, all the stories we love have a turning point. Neo, you know, someone comes knocks on the door and says, you want to know about the matrix? And they take him to Morpheus and say, are you going to take the blue pill or the red pill? That's a turning point in his life. 
where he discovers there's something else out there. Um, you know, for Dorothy, it was the the whirlwind whoosh, yeah. s- swoops her off somewhere over the rainbow. Uh, Dar- Darth uh, Luke Skywalker, excuse me, he uh, finds two droids. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And uh, the next thing he knows, he's in an intergalactic battle for the universe. Right. Yeah. So there's this turning point that happens, and the, the hero has to decide kind of what they're going to do with that turning point. And so that's where kind of I start with this the the first actual or it's actually the second chapter of the book is that and the that's we we call it in writing the inciting incident and what's interesting is they say in writing that you want to get the inciting incident as fast as possible because we read stories because we love conflict now we love other people's conflict (laughs) yeah not our own conflict but if they say if you want to get somebody hooked on a fiction book or a movie in a movie they say it needs to happen within the first eight minutes of the movie um, in a book, they're like, if you can get it happening on the first page where all of a sudden the, the character's life is jolted in some way, you're going to get the reader hooked. Now, when we read books, we're like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. But when the turning point happens to us yeah. and the reality hits, the realization, I, I'm not one to go, oh, great. Yay, a story's beginning here. You yeah. say, I'm like, what did I do wrong? But you didn't do anything wrong. It's just the season, circular nature of what God does in our life. And there's this jolting moment that gets every season started and then we've got to decide how to respond to it so what's been your experience with that Dan? well i think one of the reasons we don't like to i mean we respond incorrectly is we we see it as a singular point this is a problem right now rather than a part of a process right and so when we see that as a singular point we don't see that oh well there's something at work here there's some shaping or forming that's taking place we just see it as Oh man, I got a problem right now. Yeah, and not, and so it's important to keep a long term perspective, which is where you know I've always been baffled by something Paul says. He says, "So we rejoice in our suffering, yeah. for we know that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts." And I'm thinking, what kind of a lunatic rejoices in yeah. suffering? But a turning point usually shows up as some sort of either. Suffering or the potential for suffering that we want to run from or back away from rather than embrace it as this is something God's actually brought into our life to 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 take us somewhere that we need to go. Yeah. Well, and you see in that, you see the sequence. He says, we rejoice in suffering because. Yeah. And then he says, this is what it's working. James says the same thing, you know, count it all joy, brother, when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Because it, it is working a process. And when that process is complete, you'll be complete and a, a total man lacking nothing. Yeah. But it's not where, ooh, hallelujah, tr- suffering and problems and trials, but you got to see the process. Well, and that's the thing I was thinking about. One of the examples I use in there, you know, when a mother eagle knows it's time for her baby eagles to yeah. learn to fly, she starts pulling the soft feathers out of the nest. So the baby feels the sticks kind of poking them in the side. You know, it's super comfortable. Mom made things comfortable. Yeah. But when it's time for them to fly, like be up where eagles are supposed to be, not hanging out in a nest, but soaring, uh, there's this discomfort that comes. And I, I, I'm convinced that oftentimes discomfort can be a gift that God will use to push us into a turning point. Yeah. Um, the turning point becomes this moment of discomfort and you go look at it and you go, oh, what did I do wrong? It's not that you did anything wrong. It's that you're made for more than hanging out in a padded nest. Yeah. So the Lord knows, well, if it make it too easy for them, they probably won't push it out. And so one time, sometimes I believe God sends discomfort as a gift. Now, that's tricky because sometimes discomfort is something you just need to buckle down and deal with it. So it's hard to know the difference 
Um, what would be your take on how to know when it's the discomfort of a turning point or it's discomfort of like you just need to buckle up, suck it up, buttercup, and go with this? Well, I mean, even in those, you, you know, you you can learn from any of them. It, it You know, because it's interesting, the suffering and the James talking about the trials. It doesn't say that it depends on the source. Because a lot of times suffering comes in our life just because we live in an evil world. Mm. But you still can make the best of that by recognizing God is going to use this suffering no matter what the source is. Yeah. It's just something going on in me. If it's something going on in our environment, if it's somebody else who's doing stuff to me, in any of those ways, God said, I'm, I'm, I love this passage. You know, there, I tell people there are things in scripture that aren't really true. People freak out and I go, what? Well, here's one that's not really true. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. Do we really know that? Do we really believe that? Mm. If we did, how would your day be different if you really believe that everything that comes into your life, God is working for good? So when he says, we know, we go, well, maybe you know it, Paul, right. but I'm not sure I do. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I understand that the, the declaration of that is true, but whether we believe it or not, it's another thing. So the point is, in all those things, no matter what the source of it is, we have to know that God is in control, working things together for our good. And that doesn't mean everything is good. Yeah, bad things come. You know, it's it, the old story of salt made out of two poisonous two poisonous elements. You put them together, and they become an essential element. Sodium for life. and chloride. You take those animals on their own. You're not going to have poisonous. Yeah, yeah, yeah deadly and point. dangerous. That's kind of the verse that came to mind was something that Paul said in Second Corinthians, where he says, "So we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away." Mm-hmm. Like this discomfort, it's yeah. I mean, you can't, you may not be able to wish it away. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, which is beyond all comparison. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, which is hard to do. How do you fix your eyes on what is unseen? But yeah. he's saying, <laughs> for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think that's the, 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 the challenge in every turning point is to see it for what it is. Um, I mean, that's the challenge of life, isn't it? Yeah. See it yeah. for what it is. What's the spiritual element going on behind the physical that I'm seeing? And oftentimes the physical can look very negative, but if you were to see a little down the road, like God, I believe, can see, um, you, you would realize that he's literally turning this into something that's like an eternal weight of glory. It's going to make you a weighty, strong person. Yeah. Experience. Well, you know, um, that's where wisdom is. You're talking about seeing the world from God's perspective, mm. seeing the world as God sees it. And that's why the word is so important because that's the only way we can really understand how God sees it because he reveals his mind, his heart, his perspective in the word. And so the more we immerse ourselves in it, the more we begin to get a vision a perspective from God's perspective. Yeah. And so when difficulties come, we don't have the this perspective of, well, you know, I can quote these 10 scriptures or I can just wish it away or yeah. declare it away or claim it away or whatever. But you really have a perspective on it. Okay, God is doing something bigger here. It, it just it comes by immersing yourself in your word. Which there's some turning points you're just not going to be able to wish away. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like... You mentioned some of those, I, you know, I think through, like I think of the one of the, I've been through some of those turning points you listed. For example, the divorce. My parents were divorced when I was, oh gosh, probably about three, four years old. I don't even really know. And that was a, you know, rough time. My mom, I can remember, you know, single mom waiting on the bus because we didn't have any transportation, you know, coming home, nobody home and you know, all that kind of stuff that a single parent, you know, we had me and my brother. Um but it brought into our lives uh, a man who adopted us and took, mm. married my mom and adopted my, me and my brother. And just it brought into my life a man that really set a good tone for me and a good course for my life. That wouldn't have happened otherwise because my dad, my birth father's an alcoholic, drunk and all that stuff, you know, violent alcoholic. So that was a good thing. And then 
It's it's interesting because when you were, you were mentioning this, I started listing some of the um, turning points, and mm-hmm. you know, several of them. Ones you mar- mentioned their marriage that was mm-hmm. a big turning point, obviously. You know, um, and then having children that was a big turning point. And and as I began to list all of these, uh, going to Central America was a big turning point. There were just several of those. Every one of them, I realized it was like taking me from a a deeper level of service to others versus self-focus. Wow. I mean, yeah. in marriage, it's all about me before you're married. You know, man, I spend my money the way I want to. I, you know, I, I do this, I do that, I whatever I want to, stay out late if I want to, come home early, whatever. It's all about me. And all of a sudden, I, whoa, I got somebody else to consider. Yeah. And, and it's like somebody else is spending my money, you know, mm. and living in my house. And, and so all of a sudden it's not only about you. And then when kids come, oh my gosh, oh, it's a whole nother level, you know, yeah, uh, where it's like, wow, now it's not even about us. It's about this little thing that can't do anything on its own. You yeah, know? man. They're a lot more demanding than your spouse. Yeah. 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 Well, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some of you are out there going, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I can put the kid, I can lock the kid in the room. I can't do that with my wife, uh, you know, well, but anyhow, yeah. um, Hoping you're not doing it. That is not parenting CPS advice. CPS okay? is going to come and get you. Yeah. Dad never locked me in a room. So, no. yeah. The, the, don't mention the handcuffs or anything, but, uh, you know. Um, Each of those turning points, though, is it's it's very jolting yeah. when you face the reality of it. But it brings you to a level of coming outside of yourself. Yeah. Is really what it does. Yeah. You know, I think where John, where the John the Baptist says, he must become greater and I must become less. Mm. It, it's It's focusing on somebody else. And that's a hard thing because, I mean, by nature, we all want to, you know, by nature, we're the center of the universe. The world revolves around us and we're the reason everything exists. Which is a great point because one of the verses I use in there is where Paul, I'm talking about turning points, right? Where God's trying to push us out to become all we're supposed to be. There's this, there's this verse where Paul says this. He says, if we're out of our minds, it's because Christ's love compels us. Now that word compels is a fascinating word. Because if you read some translations of the Bible, like I think the NIV, it actually says he can, love constrains us. When I sent the book to mom, she's, she had never heard it say that God's love compels us. She had read it as constrains us. And I said, uh-oh, I've got a problem. There's a contradiction here. Uh-huh. So I started researching the Greek word that Paul uses, suneko is the word. And th- the meaning of the word is he brings himself around you and then he squeezes you and pushes you outward. Mm. I thought that's a good picture. It's like like it's a, a constraint. It's like a toothpaste. Uh-huh. Like toothpaste tube. He comes around and he's like, "I love you, man. Now I'm gonna squeeze <laughs> it out of you, buddy." Yeah. But it's that it's that pushing us to become. And and unfortunately, sometimes you, you feel the squeezing. And you go, "I don't like this." And that's right. I, I yeah. say in the book, you, when when the squeezing comes, that's pushing you to become all you can be through the turning point. You have two two options. You can either look at yourself one as a victim. And the problem when you do that, like psychologically, neurologically, when you see yourself as a victim, like you, you're not a willing participant in the situation, your brain actually goes into survival mode. So you're just pure defense. But the small shift of seeing yourself as what I call an adventurer, G.K. Chesterton said, an yeah. adventure is only an inconvenience, rightly considered. When you say, yeah, I didn't sign up for this, but I'm actively engaging in this adventure. Something literally happens in your mind and your brain shifts into what you would call exploring and learning mode rather than fear and self-protection. And it's just, it's just that simple of feeling yourself, seeing yourself as an active participant in this process. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget that one, one, uh, one time we were going rafting and the guide before we, we rafted the Grand Canyon, he gathered us all in a round cir- circle and he said, listen to me, everyone, you need to become an active participant in your own survival. Yeah. And I thought that's a deep statement there because he's like, and I was like, I was like, clarify what that means. He's like, what that means is if you fall out of the boat, don't just sit there helplessly, 
swim toward the boat. <laughs> we will do what we can to help you, but you must become an active participant. And I think that's what happens is when you say, oh boy, an adventure is hit, didn't sign up for getting thrown out of the boat. Yeah. This is a turning point, but I'm going to participate in my own survival uh, as an active participant and actually see it as an adventure. It's weird. Your brain shifts into, ooh, I'm going to learn something here. Yeah. And which, uh, yeah. That's interesting because that, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, and that's like in marriage. That's one that we, you know, most most of us face at some point in time. And and when you get in there, you feel like you fell out of the boat because who is this person? They're not the person I was dating, you know? Mm-hmm. What happened? And so you can either say, I'm a victim. Oh, I married the wrong person. Or maybe we didn't, you know, whatever. You can look at all the reasons and then boom, you're a victim. Or you can say, well, I need to learn some things here. Yeah. And, and if you go at it from, okay, we're on this adventure, we're going to do And I think that's one of the strengths of being committed to this relationship, we're going to make this relationship work. This is a commitment, a third, we've involved God in it. It's you and me, but not just us. We've committed to God. And so therefore, we're going to learn from it because yeah. we're in it. And when you have that, it's just, it's amazing. It's just a mental shift. You say, well, I mm-hmm. didn't sign up for this. Um, didn't think marriage was going to be this hard. Yeah. Didn't think having a kid was going to be this hard. I thought we would be able to have the kid first time, but this infertility journey is just brutal. Yeah. This adoption journey, I never thought it'd be this hard fostering kids never thought it'd be this hard um whatever it is you know like i I, how come other people aren't don't struggle with the addiction that i have i just literally can't break free from this you could begin to see it as i'm a victim of this circumstance i'm a victim of my body that wants that craves this thing or i'm a victim of my emotions i've got this disease that nobody else has to deal with those struggles and yeah all these things but just turning on that switch and saying "I, i didn't sign up for this but apparently God has sent me this adventure for something. Yeah. And what a shift it can make. And that's what I talk about in there. I said, when you when you face the turning point, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to see yourself as a victim of circumstances? Or are you going to say, all right, don't understand what's going on here, but I'm trusting God really is working all things together for the good of me because he loves me and I love him. And this is where things are going to go. And when you make that subtle shift to see yourself as an adventurer, then you literally take on the adventure. You become Luke Skywalker saying, all right, I'm going to go defend the universe yeah. or Neo, I'm going to, uh, you know, destroy the matrix, whatever it is. Uh, I'm Dorothy, I'm going to uh, find my way back home, whatever it is. There's this heroic element that we take on when we stop seeing ourselves as a victim at a turning point and instead say, all right, apparently this discomfort is part of something God wants to pull something out of me. You know, you've often told me God's plan for your life is what your plan, you would want your plan to be if you knew all the details. He does know the details yeah. and he's working uh, all things together for the good of those who love him. And we know that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this with your friends on the platform of your choice. For more from Joel Malm, visit joelmalm.com. For more from Rick Malm, visit rickmalm.com. Our podcast music was produced by Alex Burleson.